Dino Berry, Sean Moriarty, Gina Giovanetti, and Brian Moriarty. Oh my gosh, guys. So. Oh my god, guys. Oh my god, guys. You know, <laughs> this is how, like, Northern Californian girls talk. But guys kind of talk this way, too. And. Uh, Everything's like a really side eyeing Brian from across the table. She's, she's like, no, we don't. I'm we do not like, talk that me. way. Come on. I have like a deep, manly lady voice. <laughs> you have a voice that, that no. puts you don't me have a deep, manly lady voice. <laughs> but you do have that like that that like perfectly overpronounced every syllable kind of <laughs> accent thing going yeah. on. I seriously think like in about thirty years, we could easily do like a reboot of Golden Girls and you would totally B. Which one would I be, Brian? <laughs> Sophia. Yes. <laughs> Sophia, okay. Yes. My favorite. That's not what I was going to say, but oh, I, I buy Sophia. Um, why am I drawing a blank? Was I, would I be Dorothy. Blanche? I was gonna, no, you're going to be Dorothy. Which one was she? Which one was she? B. Arthur. Oh, was she B. was B. Arthur. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Because yes. you got a nice, rich uh. voice, and I feel like that really all it needs is about 30 years of battered <laughs> teaching and cigarette smoking. Oh, God. To, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a smoker, there. but I can drink fairly heavily. There you go. Uh, well, fried vocal cords from alcohol works, exactly. too. Exactly. And then, I will say, I do love yes. B. Arthur. My favorite B. Arthur role is when she is the femputer in uh, the Amazon episode of Futurama. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> I that liked her favorite. as the singing bartender in the cantina in the Star Wars holiday special. Which oh God! I think, I, I think that this Ben, sorry, the Ben Solo, fuck that, the Han Solo movie <laughs> is going to canonize that character. No, it's not. Oh, I think if it did, oh, well, her God. character already is canon because she's in an, a, a canonized uh, novel, actually. Oh my God! So the character really? is canonized, but if they canonize the heart, the, the holiday special, I'm like. <laughs> No, revenge the, novels aren't even, the novels have all been tossed out since they were bought by Disney. No, Remember? no, no. But the they've released novels. Count. But they've no. They've released novels since Disney's bought them, and those are canon. Oh, and those ones have her in them. Yes, B. Arthur is in. Why them. would someone do that? God to damn it! Fuck <laughs> with George Lucas. That's why. Uh, fun fact though: the Leia Princess of Alderaan novel by Claudia Gray is excellent. Yeah, definitely recommend that. Uh, absolutely. So, guys, I by the way, I have two important updates that I want to share oh, shit. with the with the audience and with with the team of nerds. So, first of all, today was Vanessa's bridal shower, Aww. which Yay. I was kind of invited to. <laughs> I I really wasn't, but she's like, "You're not invited, but you're welcome to come." <laughs> she literally said those words to what? me. Which, you exactly. Just, you just can't sit with her. You're gonna like, cramp so her I was style. like, I was like auntie invited. Is that that's a, even a thing? So um, I went, and the reason why is because w- one of her bridal party is a guy. We're doing we're an unconventional bridal party, so she has a bridesman, and so that's he was not that unconventional, Brian. If you were like one of the bridesmen is an an octopus in a tank <laughs> because I'm so attached to my pet octopus that we're gonna put. We're going to put a corsage on it and then let it float in a tank next to everybody else. Oh god, he's strangling one of <laughs> oh, he's strangling one of one of the one of the guests. And it was um, the most sci-fi Jules Verne wedding ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you just reminded me of that meme. Thur, excuse me, Thur, can I talk to you a moment about my lord and savior Cthulhu? Cthulhu. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, no, but um and plus her stepdad was there. So like there's a couple guys there. So she's like, and her mom was saying that I should be there too. So I went 
and Roxy was there, and Sarah was there. Yay! Yay! So, female nerds. Gina was unable to be there because she had to work. I was, for the record, I was invited. I just, a couple things. I was driving home from Sonoma this morning. I'm going to be attending Sonoma State in the fall, and so I had to make, like, a two and a half hour drive home in the morning and then go straight to work, so... I was unfortunately Damn. unable to attend, but I was actually yeah. invited, Brian. <laughs> yeah, no, you were absolutely, and she couldn't make it, but she gave us a lovely gift, and but she's here now. A bouquet of dildos. And I, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to give an update about Roxy because I'm sure some listeners are like, "Hey, we've kept Roxy's name in the podcast, but she hasn't been here in like two, three months." No, we miss Mama Noberry. Yeah, we do miss Mama Noberry a lot, and so just to kind of give you guys a heads up, so Roxy's kind of going through some major adult life shifts one thing is she recently bought a house uh Woo. and so there's so there's that so first off good for her because Woo. a millennial buying a house is like a miracle oh, yeah. basically um so there's that but there's also the fact that you know we all know that she has a background in psychology and that she's working as a therapist and she's actually finally in the process of getting her licenses so that just kind of like i took a break from the podcast five years ago when i was finishing my ba it's very much the same thing. It's she's going through a lot. So, so I've mentioned before, uh, Roxy actually is Wonder Woman, you guys. So imagine when she's not on the podcast, she's just out actually saving the goddamn world. So we miss Mama Noberry, we miss Wonder Woman Roxy, and we hope she comes back soon. And she wants <laughs> to be do. back. She wants to be back very, yeah. very soon. And I gave her a big old yeah, hug. but let her take and, her time. If there's one thing I know about people that are in psychology and therapy is that generally. They are far more fucked up than anybody else that they're helping. <laughs> so you need to give her the time. Oh, yeah. obviously. Deal yeah. with her no, shit. Roxy, take your time. So, you know, we'll, you. and what we'll just do is we'll do what we've been doing. We'll do, we'll rock with three hosts. We'll have Dave on occasionally. And, yeah. you know, maybe Sarah will come back another time or two. But yeah. we're doing fine because mm-hmm. Gina is amazing. Oh, thanks, Brian. I, can we just grab hobos off the street, too, to do? <laughs> like, we'll give them like a 40 ounce and they can sit here and we'll ask them question that they have no reason to lie they'll tell us anything no um speaking of drinking brian and i are doing that right now yeah because we originally planned on doing this on cinco de mayo Mm -hmm. which is really more of an american holiday than it is a mexican holiday it is this isn't nerds on history but like we we know that we're very much bastardizing that culture by even saying cinco de mayo actually i kind of understand why americans are into it because i watched a little video on facebook and that is the truth um about this. So basically, yeah, so for those who don't know, Cinco de Mayo is about the battle. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I can I I have a story about this. Can I please can I take the helm? Yes. Fine. Please? Yes. Okay, so at work, I worked on Cinco de Mayo and I was like, does anybody know what Cinco de Mayo actually celebrates? And somebody said, Mexican Independence Day. And I was like, ah, no, no, no. That is what everybody thinks it is. But little known fact, unfortunately, that Cinco de Mayo is the celebration of the, uh, the the liberation of the town of Santa Poco from the tyrannical rule of El Guapo by the wonderful three amigos. No. <laughs> I think that's actually even better. No, but the, but the, Sean, the... I was very impressed for like three quarters of that. No. And then, oh, it was a sol- that was a solid lead up. No, but you know what? Actually, the truth is, the truth is actually something more out of Star Wars, believe it or not. Like, I'm not kidding. And let me explain. Yep. So, um, what actually happened was it was about the Battle of Puebla. And the Battle of Puebla took place because during this, it took place during, while America was fighting the Civil War. Mm. And the Civil War, as you guys kind of know, the Union won. 
and we're winning. Yes. And the union had blocked the trade routes from Mexico <laughs> into the Confederacy. And the Confederacy had the recognition of the French. So th- because of the, tr- the the trade blockade that was happening by the Union, the French sent troops into their colony that happened to be in Mexico, because, yes, the French had colonies in Mexico, too, in to invade through and aid the South in order to turn the tide of the war. But because the Mexicans were, Mexicans were like, fuck that noise, they <laughs> beat the shit out of the French and defeated them. And if you think about it, because of that, we were able to continue fighting and win the Civil War. So th- I can kind of get why American Americans Americans love Cinco de Mayo for yeah, that reason. If, if only all of the fucking drunk morons running around on Cinco de Mayo had any fucking clue that that was true. <laughs> right. Exactly. They don't. I I wish that you had been in like one of those floating little Senate spaceships <laughs> right. during that very brief lecture that you gave because that would have just completed anytime somebody says the words trade blockade I think <laughs> I think they need to be floating in one of those little things in the Senate <laughs> yes and of course <laughs> the union was like oh, well this is absurd our blockade is perfectly legal. Um, yes. uh, and then the Trade Federation was like, Hello, please. We are not, we are definitely not any kind of Asian stereotype. Yes. God damn it, Sean. Wow. We're sorry for Sean. Uh, no, that's what, that is essentially what the Trade Federation was like in the shitty prequel yeah. Star Wars movies. The fir- just the first two. And they were horrible Asian stereotypes. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Gina Giovanetti. And I am Sean Rari. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Wow. Um, so because we were going to do this episode on Cinco de Mayo, but we weren't able to get our schedules together, we thought, uh, well, a week later isn't too bad. No. Um, so we're doing Dose what we call... Dose de Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dose de Mayo. Yeah, bro. Ciao, bro. Um, it's and like we live in California shit. where where the good food is. So um, where the good produce comes from, <laughs> I should say. Um, so we actually made some margaritas and we made some homemade guacamole and got some good quality uh, tortilla chips. And we're just kind of hanging out and we're, we thought we'd do a little round of uh, something we call the margarita mailbag. Margarita mailbag. I, I feel like I needed an obligatory I feel like, in that. Just, I feel like I need Margarita to, mailbag. Woo! I feel like I'm going to need to build a sound bite that's like a mariachi band that does. It, the no, mar- no, it should mailbag. sound like fucking Jimmy Buffett. It should be wasted away in margarita bag. <laughs> I think the the photo, the accompanying photo for this one should be Jimmy Buffett with the two margaritas from <laughs> Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I forgot that that was actually Jimmy Buffett. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, they had a Margaritaville plug-in, didn't they? In the... I, d- I don't know if they I... did. I just know that you know it's just it's a guy that like unless you know it's Jimmy Buffett, it just looks like an Some older guy dude. grabbing yeah. margaritas and like Margaritaville knowing what his is priority also are. an amazing place, especially the one in Vegas that's attached to the Flamingo. They will straight up pour you like three ounces of tequila every time you order oh, a single yes. shot. Yeah, they are terribly irresponsible, and it's wonderful. <laughs> it's also now his. Well, first it's his only hit, but it's also now a Broadway musical. Because when I was staying in New York for my East Coast trip, mm-hmm. that was the musical that was playing downstairs in the in the yeah. theater of our hotel. It's called uh, Escape to Margaritaville. Exactly. 
Yeah. Why the fuck? Uh, that was his only hit? I guess we just had, like, parents that well, love it. I remember I Cheeseburger mean, in Paradise. Personally, and my shit. favorite album is Fruitcakes. Big fan of Everybody's Got a Cousin in Miami. So. <laughs> <laughs> or Cheeseburger in Paradise is a good one yeah. song, too, as well. Also, um, a restaurant chain in Hawaii. Yes, yeah, so Buffett's that is got his, not affiliated. <laughs> exactly. So Buffett's got his hand in a ton of cookie jars. Yeah. Um, he also, like, I listened to an interview with him because he was on another podcast that I listened to. He just seems like the chillest fucking guy, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's pickled with booze and high off, off his fucking ass every second of the day. <laughs> That's Pretty fair. much, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And I mean, there are other musicians out there that were, you know, had very short careers that could take a fucking note from him. Like, why isn't Fred Durst making nookie cookies or something? <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, he could, but like his market is like 18 and up. So. Is there more in there? Is there more in there? Uh, you can yep. see if you can pour a little more from the shaker. Probably okay. It might be a little watered down. but That's fine. I think it'd be fun to add the sound effects of me like pouring and shaking and like yeah. really creates the atmosphere, you know? Yeah. And then I was crunching no, into potato chips and chewing right you're into not the mic. Making, I, let's just let the audience know, because I am a terrible bartending purist, that they are not really making margaritas. They have a giant bottle of shitty margarita mix when what you're supposed to do is use simple or agave syrup with fresh lime juice, triple sec. I'm sorry we're not actually bartenders, Sean. So, Sean, the, the, hand, the uh, shitty bottle that looks bright green... Is well, it's. I mean, they did put some food coloring in it, but it's literally just lemon and lime juice. There's no sugar in it. I'm using triple sec. I have it here. You can see it in the camera. I bought it. It is not just lemon and lime juice. Please read the read the ingredients. I just said it's lemon, Mm. lime juice, and like yellow five and blue four. Like it's basically it's like blue forty, whatever. Yeah, it's water, lime juice, lemon juice, yellow five, blue one. Yeah, I told you. So it's lemon, lime juice, water, and food coloring. Like, that's all there is to it. I still don't trust it. Okay, whatever, Sean. Listen, we're we're doing what we have at our disposal. So, so. and by the way, if it's cloudy, you shake it. If it's clear, you stir it. Like, that's the, those <laughs> are the mix What he all. has at his disposal. He just got back from a Mexican bridal shower. You're telling me there weren't limes and tequila? It was a tea party, you ass. There was, it was a tea, there was mimosas and tea. There wasn't Mexican cocktails there. Just as a heads up, this episode might just be like an ASMR nightmare. We have like (laughs) chips and guac and like delightful tea sandwiches that Brian said were lovingly made by Vanessa's mom, as well as, you know, potential shaking because I just drank the last of what was in the shaker and I'm going to want another one soon. So, yeah, so we'll we'll just we'll, as a heads up. Absolutely, like this is going to be a, a folied episode of, <laughs> of Nerds on Film, no question, right about that. So why don't we get to our uh, first mm-hmm. piece of feedback? Woo! And I think we should be regaled by our old friend, really your old friend, but new friend of the podcast, old friend to Gina, uh, Doctor Andrew Iskandar. Doctor Andy. Also known as Dr. Andy. Oh, Hello, Dr. Dr. Andy. Dr. Andy, a.k.a. Uh, Mama No Berry's prom date. What, what? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. This is the one where this is the guy I made uncomfortable with the gagging thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you didn't make him uncomfortable. He just like almost died at the gym because he was laughing and almost like ran off of a treadmill, Sean. So, yes, we love hearing from you, Dr. Andy. Keep writing in. <laughs> so uh, he he writes, uh 
Hi guys, long time, no chat. Sorry I have not written any feedback in a while. Hospital has been crazy busy this past winter, uh, what with all those damn snowbirds flying into Palm Springs. Damn Canadians. Sorry, Roxy. Uh, a while back, there was an episode where Gina recommended reading Ready Player One, and it sounded like a book I would enjoy. I bought it, and I sat on my shelf, or, and it sat on my shelf for a while before I got a goal for myself to read it before watching the movie. I absolutely loved the book. I did that because he had all caps. Uh, once I picked it up, it took me three days to finish it since it hooked me from the start. I was pleased to see that the movie was getting good reputation from an audience and critics. So I was very excited to see it. However, I have to say that I feel like I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have had I not read the book. The book was so captivating and each word was woven in such a way that made for a beautifully written story. The movie itself, while still captivating and visually pleasing, uh, really deviated from the actual story itself. The challenges to obtain the three keys was completely changed. No gates were really mentioned in the process. Uh, character introduction and development seemed rushed. And I don't know, maybe I'm being nitpicky here because I really love this book and I've recommended it to many others to pick up and read. Uh, in the end, the movie's runtime was two hours, and I understood that, and staying true to the book would make things rather difficult when it comes to length. I am very, very excited to hear your thoughts, especially Gina's, since she is the one that recommended the book to me. Stay nerdy and awesome, friends. Andy. Aw, thanks, thanks, Dr. Andy. Andy. Thank yeah, thank you. Thank uh, you for taking time out of your day, saving lives, and contributing to your community in amazing ways to write into us. Yeah, absolutely. And so, perfect opportunity for Gina to break into her ad hoc <laughs> review of Ready Player One. So. Yeah. Um, did either of you guys see Ready Player One? I have not, but you yes. can spoil okay. the shit out of it. So, I, I'll do mine first, because did you read the book, Sean? I did not. I like to read the books after I see the movies, okay. which is uh, what I'm going to talk about when uh, you're done. Okay. About how I always like to see the movie before I read the book because <laughs> the movie is always a disappointment if you've read the book first. Yeah. Um. I Andy, I feel the same way that you did. Um. I. I know, like the very first episode I was on. Uh. I think I plugged Ready Player One. Um. And I, I think I remember that. Yeah, um, several years, a couple of years ago, when when I was on for the very first time as a guest, uh, I plugged Ready Player One because um, I had just read it at the time and it was super fun and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I know there have been a couple episodes where I've definitely like you felt my hype for the Ready Player One movie. I've like pimped it out. I've been like, yes, go see it because that first trailer, I had so much hope for it. I was so excited. But as a couple more things came out, I was not as particularly excited for it. Um, as you know, as I'm sure you you've picked up by now, I am gonna do some spoilers for both the book and the movie. So um, just be wary of that. Um, there were a few things that uh, that I was a little like hesitant about before I even saw the trailer. Um, one of the big things that I that I personally connected with in the book was the character of Artemis. Um, in the book, she's described as having more of, like, a curvy body. And for me, being a curvier woman, um, I wear, you know, size 16 pants. I got a big ass, guys. Um, like, <laughs> But it's they, delightful. <laughs> thanks. Um, like it, you it serve was, drinks on that shit. <laughs> it, was, it was nice to see someone who I could kind of imagine looked like me. 
uh, in that particular position as someone who definitely who like I'm going to be completely transparent here as someone who definitely felt like a lot of body shame and a lot of feelings, especially, you know, in high school and things like that of like, not necessarily feeling like, um, like I was necessarily worthy of like being loved or looked at a particular way, seeing someone who I felt looked like me as the lead character's love interest was very important to me. And having them change that for the film and, you know, having their Artemis, while gorgeous, their, the woman, the girl who, woman who plays Artemis is, is absolutely beautiful. But unfortunately for me, her appearance didn't necessarily resonate with me as much as it did in the book. Um, one of the I other have a question th- on that note. Could I? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Could I ask you a brief question? It seemed like I wondered if in the book her like the deformity, the birthmark on her face mm-hmm. was described as way more prevalent. And then because in the yeah. in the movie when they show it, and she's like, "You would you would never be able to love me." And I'm like, "Oh, you mean that slight yeah. kind of cool design it's still it's discoloration still- <laughs> over your super hot face is really that big of a deal?" Yeah. The other thing that you know Artemis kind of sees as a flaw in herself is that she has this like port wine birthmark on her face. Like yeah. in the book, it seems like it's a little bit more severe in the yeah. movie it looks kind of dope she's got like a fucking like god she of looks w- like fucking ziggy stardust yeah, like ziggy stardust fucking like god of war up in here like no yeah. she, she looks dope um and so that that was a little bit disappointing to me um in addition like i feel like the story in general was kind of given like the league of extraordinary gentlemen treatment where they Ooh, okay. they kind of took the characters and the basic plot and then changed everything that got you from point A to point B. Yes, there were challenges and like keys to be obtained, but everything about the key challenges was changed. And that would feel like that's kind of cool, though. It, like you're like, OK, you were surprised by each thing. It didn't just rehash something everybody yeah, already knew from the book. Yeah, but there there were certain things in the book that I really liked that were very original oh, okay. that I that I thought introduced people to new aspects of particular fandoms or particular nerddoms that maybe they weren't particularly well versed in before. Like in the movie, the first challenge is like a fucking race. Like everybody's played fucking Gran Turismo. Like, okay, it's a race. Oh, big fucking deal. Like, yeah, visually, I thought it was cool. There was like the T-Rex and King Kong and stuff, but it was like, and there was a DeLorean and the old, the Batman, the 60s yeah, Batman right, Batmobile. But, but oh, like, really? That's yeah, cool. no, and they, yeah. they, they have those, but those are things that kind of like came up organically in the book. Meanwhile, mm. the first challenge in the book, um, that's the other thing about the book is that the book really emphasized like Wade's poverty and how badly the world has really gone to shit. Like, yeah, you kind of got the idea that, you know, Wade was living in the stacks and it wasn't the best place. But the whole thing is, in the book, Wade can't really go anywhere else in the Oasis because he doesn't have money, which is why it's so revolutionary that he figures out that the first key, the first challenge is on Ludus, the student planet, which everyone can access. Um, and why he and why he figures that out. That key challenge also incorporated like old school Dungeons and Dragons, which was dope. It incorporated.
incorporated the like cabinet um, arcade game Joust, which was fun. Yeah. And like, yeah, you don't necessarily want to sit there and watch a kid play an arcade game against a lich, but like you could have updated that where they're like actually in the game and like riding fucking ostriches and stuff, and it would have been fun. But like, Every key challenge was different from the book. And, like, I would have been fine if one of them was different. Like, I think what I appreciate is the way in which Wade got the extra life token, where he said something that the uh, robot man in the archives, who later is revealed to be the other creator of the Oasis, um, you know, he outsmarted him and said something he, like, didn't necessarily know, um, as opposed to him just, like, playing a perfect game of Pac-Man somewhere in the Oasis. Like, I get changes like that have to be made when you update a book to screen. I was just hoping there would have been a few more things that were kind of book loyal. Um, again, uh, also with the the body thing, the, the character of H, who uh, Wade kind it was wade's best friend within the oasis the thing that ernest klein really did that i don't know if he did it on purpose but h presents as a like white teen boy in the book as opposed to this like orc thing orc troll kind of thing that you see in the movie and which is why it's such a big revelation when h is revealed to be a queer black woman um, yes, I understand Lena Waithe is a very prominent member of the queer community, especially in Hollywood, but I'm also, like, of the opinion that just because you put a known queer actor in a movie that doesn't establish the character is queer. Like, look at Neil Patrick Harris as, like, Barney Stinson in How I Met Your Mother. He was openly out, but playing a very straight, very womanizing man. Just because you put a member of the queer community in the film does not mean that the character is queer. And so a lot of the reason why, you know... H was able to get so far in the movie was be or in the in the story was because they were masquerading as a like white teen boy and especially when we get into like deeper levels of discourse about kind of the nerd world and that sort of thing which for a very long time was a little bit of a boys club the fact that Ernest Klein put that this particular character felt the need to present as a a white male within this world in order to get ahead says a lot about how we approach things like fandom today as well and how's the, how there's a certain level of of gatekeeping um i didn't i didn't hate the movie um but when i went to go see it i had made a drive back from northern california and then i had an exercise class to go to so my my in short, my review of it is I didn't hate it, but I'm glad I saw it at my cheap local theater where it was only like five or six dollars and I had no qualms about leaving 10 to 15 minutes early so I could get to my bar class in time. Um, like I said, I, I kind of feel the same way about that that I do about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen where it's entertaining, but there's just not a lot that it has similar to the book of the same the name material. and that yeah. was a little disappointing to me yeah and it's interesting which is why honestly every no movie ever 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 measures up to the book you're not yeah. if you're a big fan of the book you are going to be disappointed 
no matter what. Yeah, and I think it's weird because we've had a resurgence of works being closer to the source materials, particularly with comic book movies, mm-hmm. that we've kind of grown to expect that. And so when we have a movie deviate that much, that might be why we, it creates that yeah and expectation even you know even looking at things like harry potter or things like the hunger games or things like lord of the rings even i know some people have issues with lord of the rings but that remains to be seen i have you know a couple little nitpicky things with harry potter but overall i'm fairly happy about how the series as a whole was adapted even when you get something that maybe doesn't necessarily have as much breadth as a series like that you'd kind of hope that it would be able to be streamlined to to film a little bit better sure Sean, what were your thoughts on the movie? I enjoyed it a lot. I hadn't read the book. I had, I'd heard people describe things from the book and what the premise is. So I was excited about it and excited to see all the little pop culture references. They might have oversold some of the maybe the reviewers and the people that said that, you know, every piece of IP you could ever imagine is it because it's really not. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty conservative with the stuff they show. And there's plenty of things that you would assume like. If you're going to be pop culture where the fuck is, like, Superman? They show Batman, but they don't show Superman ever. They, they don't show you a ton of stuff. But I haven't read the book, but I'll tell you right now, I'd probably gladly, like, I'd probably gladly omit one of the challenges for the book and put in the Shining Challenge from the movie because the Shining Challenge in the movie was, like, unbelievable. How they actually just digitally recreated. They actually were in... The Shining. Yeah, so that's... It was so amazing. That's actually very similar to a challenge in the book. I think that that one I had the least amount of issues with. It was a different movie in the book. There was something about The Shining challenge that I really didn't like, though. The movie in general gave me a very kind of like... Ugh kind of vibe when they were talking about um, Halliday's relationship with um, the woman who ultimately became... Uh, Ogden Morrow's wife. Um, the yeah. the nickname they give her is Kira. In the book, they kind of establish her as being like a longtime friend of both of them. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. she's kind of like rando lady that goes on one date with Halliday and then ultimately ends up with Morrow. But Halliday is still like creepy pining after her all these years. And like, that's that was a little bit uncomfortable for me. Like, that's at the end of the day, like, that's still your buddy's wife in the book. It was a little bit more understandable that like, okay, maybe he had some feelings for her, but it was also a little bit more understandable in that she was like a longtime friend as well. It got a, it got very uncomfortable for me watching it. Um, One of the other criticisms of the book and the movie is that it's a little bit harder of a thing to reconcile in a post Gamergate world. Um, My boyfriend actually sent me an article, I think from Vice, um, that was a talking about like why you know, reading ready, reading or watching Ready Player One in a post-Gamergate world is not always the most comfortable thing um, because it seems like the characters kind of vet each other. There's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on. And one of the things is, too, that, like, yes, um, the book is primarily focusing on things that were marketed towards, like, boys in the 80s. And, you know, there's someone who, who has a tweet that comes out that they're like, 
y'all wouldn't be taking Ready Player One so seriously if this particular passage, and she highlights a passage where Wade rolls up to a, a cyber club in a car that's a DeLorean, but that's also made to look like the Ghostbuster car. And he's like dressed like a particular character or whatever. And she's like, you wouldn't be taking it so seriously if this was like stuff that girls were nerdy about. Like if I if I said I rolled up in my replica of the Thelma and Louise car with Lisa Frank decals on it and blah, 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 you would all just say like, oh, this is a stupid girl thing. And like, I get that, you know, things like Ghostbusters and Back to the Future are a little bit more like universally accepted. But still, um, there was one other joke, quote unquote, in the movie that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. There's a point where Artemis gets into the um, the lead villain, um, Nolan Sorrento's like haptic rig, and she's looking through his files. And the two things that come up that are supposed to be jokes to the audience are that he has a file on like Kegels for Men and the complete collection of Nancy Drew. And I was kind of put off by the fact that like, oh, I'm sorry, if someone is like reading Nancy Drew, are they supposed to be thought less of because it's somehow not in the same echelon as what you're nerdy about? And then again, with after reading that kind of reconciling Ready Player One in a post-Gamergate world, the idea that like, what we're supposed to laugh at is that he's looking at a pelvic exercise that is typically associated with women is supposed to be the joke. It's, you know, the joke is that he's looking at and doing feminine things. I wasn't particularly humored by it. Again, I didn't hate the movie. I was just not as pleased as I was hoping to be. Okay. Cool. (laughs) So yes, Ready Player One. (laughs) Now we can get to the mailbag. Mailbag. Sorry. I have, I Back have to z- the mailbag. I have zero opinion about Cyber Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So, <laughs> it's basically what it is. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much what it is. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, we have another. Oh, first off, actually, let's stop for a quick shake because we have another batch of margaritas that's ready to go. Ooh. Yes. So, yeah, sorry, margaritas was... I can't drink. Yay. Are... I told you, dude, you have to fucking send me. You have to know. Like, more than a week in advance, you can shit me whatever shit you guys are having there so I can have it here. Okay. There is shaking going on in the background. You, you, drink, so you, know. you drink enough whiskey on your other podcast, too. <laughs> yep. We do. Ooh. This is this is my and Brian's turn. Speaking of whiskey, so uh, my future sister-in-law works at this place called The Haberdasher. Oh, yes. Mm. And there is a whiskey they've got. or They don't have it at Haberdasher, but I think she got it through them. A little sample of a root beer flavored whiskey. Ooh. It smells just like AW root beer, but it's got it's got all the flavor of whiskey and like the really the it the when you taste it the the spices kind of take a second mm-hmm. to the um to the beer or to the to, sorry not to the beer to the whiskey uh, it's not super sweet at all oh. they, they they didn't sweeten it at all it just it's got like the sassafras and licorice root kind of like flavors added to it that sounds so. really good and we're pouring. <laughs> I do apologize for my very long-winded... No, 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 no. Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Mm. You're very welcome. Besides that, I like the fact that it's it's an episode driven by feedback, not just us giving feedback. So 
Yeah. Cheers. And it was Cheers. amazing to have like a hypersensitive new age Uber PC opinion on something <laughs> like Gina just said, because we're about to offend a lot of people with something else later on. That's true. Uh, we have how, to have balance. However, before we get to that, because uh, that's the finale of this show, ladies yes. and gentlemen. We just wait until the treat we have for you brought to you by Sean and Ellie. Yeah. Yes. Um, Laura Rose, our dear friend Laura Rose from England. Um, wrote us. She's, yeah, Wales. <laughs> what from Wales? Sorry, Wales. Sorry, my apologies. The the UK. My um, gross oversimplification. But uh, her subject reads thirty years of film and thirty years of me. And actually, Gina, would you do the honors of reading this? Of course. Thank you. <clears throat> In May, I turn thirty, and I'm having a party. I would love to invite you, beautiful people, but unless I win the lottery, this won't happen. The theme of my party is 30 years of film, and I'm asking guests to fancy dress as characters from the last 30 years of film. I was wondering what you would come as. I am being Wonder Woman. Laura Rose. First of all, happy birthday, Laura Rose. Yeah, happy birthday. You're 30. You're old as shit now. Yes, welcome. <laughs> it's, all, it's all fucked up after this. You're going to start falling apart. I love that theme for a party. That's so much fun. Yeah. I love it. Be prepared for endless questions about when you're getting married. When you're having kids, <laughs> and do you have a Roth you IRA? You don't have a Roth IRA. You're a piece of shit. Exactly. So you're gonna hear that a lot too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Laura Rose, your party sounds like so much fun. I wish we could go. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Actually, um, part of me is like, I really want to like Google flights to Wales just right now. To, just show up, like kick in the door. She's like, party was last week, asshole. I'm just like. Uh, you won't, you won't still party? Okay, so 30 years of film. So that would put us at 1988. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. To, so it had to be from the last 30 years. Last she 30 did years. say that. So yeah. 38 would be, because okay. my, my immediate gut would be Christopher Reeve Superman, but that would be 87 was the last Christopher Reeve Superman movie, so that wouldn't work. It's, you're, you just I'm just on the cusp. Off, yeah. I can't pull that off. Um, so I'm going to have to to let that process for a second. Mm, okay. I know mine. You know, Sean, go for it. I would, I would wear, uh, the slave Leia bikini. (laughs) Definitely with, I just knowing the size of my balls, at least one ball would be hanging out either side because it just. Uh, Objection, your honor. Objection, Return of the Jedi took place in 1983. That is five years past the the, the cusp. (laughs) So you would have to pick up. Oh, shit. Yeah. Sean, you know what I could see you doing really well? Fucking, what? like, Johnny Depp, Hunter S. Thompson from Fear and Loathing. Oh, yeah. No, I think I, I've done it before. Oh, you have? Okay. The problem is I'm just so huge that people are like, oh, look, it's a giant... Anytime I play a character <laughs> that's not big, they're hey, always look. like, hey, look, it's a giant Joker. Oh. Yeah. Look, it's a... Yeah. Hey, it's look, awful. it's a Thanksgiving Day float that's why I went the- of, oh. of this character. Oh. That they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, perfect. No. And by the way, Sean's not overweight. Let's just not be, let's be clear here. Sean's just monstrously tall. No, no, I, I am clearly overweight. Brian's full of shit. No, but what <laughs> like I'm saying I'm is that we're not, overweight. when he says a giant so-and-so, he's not saying he's fat because you may be overweight, but you're not fat. But Sean is six foot six. So he's just, he's just monstrously tall. Yeah. I've never actually met Sean in person. I should go. But okay, I can fine. 30 years of film. So I would go as the world's largest mini me. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Rest no. in peace, Fern Troyer. No, oh, you know what you have yeah, to that's do? that's a little... I have a friend who's like fucking six nine. He's a giant beanpole of a person. Chayton, if you're listening, I adore you. Um, if what you need to do is like force perspective, so like you dress up as Gandalf and then you get friends to be hobbits. 
Like Ooh. this is what you do. You force perspective or if you if you want to like be extra pretty, you're Snow White, you get friends to be the seven dwarves? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Sean did once go as Goldilocks, I did Goldilocks. and he kept the beard. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think I think and chest hair prominent because I wore I wore essentially like a ladies 3x like uh sexy goldilocks costume <laughs> and there's pictures of it i'll show you after recording yeah. it's classic I want, it's great yeah I and then my wife it. and her two friends were the were three, the, were three little, little bears people were like you are everything this is the best thing we've seen on snowdown i yeah. think your next halloween costume slash hypothetical costume no it would be too too early for a hypothetical costume for laura rose's birthday but halloween i think you should be snow white and then your wife should be dopey Okay, <laughs> and it would be adorable. I was already gonna do. I was already gonna do the um, the Rufio costume, but you know, Rufi spelled R R R O O F I E. Remember, I sent you that photo. Yeah, it's essentially Bill Cosby dressed up as Rufio no. from no. Hook, but spelled no. Rufio. No, I was gonna say you you were gonna no. need to explain that photo to the listeners, but you did so. Yeah, plus, and I'd have to do blackface, and that's just not gonna go over well. No, not in today's society. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> shit. Blackface and rape? What an episode. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no I'm not going to do that at all. That's all a joke. Well, you remember the year I said, I told you, Brian, that I was going to go as Lacey Peterson's tide-beaten corpse. I was going to go, like, headless, armless, with, like, a garden hose with, oh like, a gar- cabbage patch doll attached to it, like, dragging behind me. You are terrible. It's terrible if you're from the Bay Area and you care about that murder, or if you're like a you know somebody who reads true crime stuff. To everyone else, and by that I mean me and two friends, it's hilarious. Oh, Sean, you're, you are terrible, Sean. That's that's wow. Okay, what um, that was? I was 22. Okay, and I was a monster. Yeah. Now I'm only like one eighth of a monster. I would never and you can do that costume. On it. That's terrible. I would talk about it. It's okay. Sean's a fun- high functioning sociopath. <laughs> Uh, No, Brian. Okay. No, sociopaths don't feel bad about the horrible things they say and do. I say and do these horrible things, then I do feel bad about it. And then he punishes himself with alcohol. As it is on you. Um, So so do you have a backup costume since apparently Slave Leia too early? All right. uh, You know what? I'd probably... hmm, Oh, you know what I'd probably go as? I'd I'd probably honestly do... I'd want to get in shape for it first, but I've always wanted to wear a Bane costume, the Tom Hardy Bane. Ooh. Okay. That's solid. That's a pretty... That's a legit... And you're tall enough that we're like, it, it, that could totally work. You just get to You have to shave your head, party. though. Or put on that's a really cool. convincing bald cap. That's fine. Okay. No, I've shaved my head before. Okay. That's I know you shaved your head For a rally. Before. I don't want to yeah. talk about it. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> I shaved my head at, uh, when I was working as a bouncer in a nightclub in downtown San Jose because... Oh, wow. It was the one year anniversary of the or the two year anniversary of the club, and everybody, all the bouncers shaved their heads on the anniversary, and it was dumb. Yeah, Sean had like literally shaved his head, and he had, but he still had his goatee. Oh my god! So he did kind of look like a like a neo Nazi skinhead. Oh my it god! It was a little unsettling. I, I I like the idea of Sean dressing as Bane and going to a birthday party because then he could pull the like you. I was, was born like, into birthday cake. Yes, you really, you merely adopted the birthday cake. I was born I into was it. I was born into it. Molded by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, though, though technically, I don't know, that line wouldn't work as well at a birthday party. By the party time you lit the candles, that... it was nothing but blinding. <laughs> <laughs> technically, that person would have been born into it because it's their birthday. Right, uh... right, right. But it's just like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I, I encountered ice cream as a man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh, I love. Oh, speaking of Tom Hardy, I watched the deleted scene of Tom Hardy as the stormtrooper in uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi because I, like sophisticated people, still buy the full versions of movies on Blu-ray and then use the digital copy, which also comes with all the featurettes and stuff. Unlike the plebs that just buy the just the movie to stream or rent it like an idiot well i buy the versions with itunes extras which is essentially the digital version of a blu-ray so you get all the extras that go along with it yeah 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 sure you do so i'm just saying (laughs) call me a plebeian um okay so tom hardy bane cool so gina what's your pick Uh, a couple years ago i think my my choice is gonna have to be a couple years ago for halloween i was marla singer from fight club Oh, um, ooh, I, good I, call. I did just mention I do wear size 16 pants, so I'm not nearly as waifish as Helena Bonham Carter. Um, but I do have a really solid picture of me in that costume that Roxy took. Okay. And fun fact, that same year, uh, Roxy was also a penguin in like the full penguin suit. So she was like the... Uh, slide. The, yeah, she was the slide spirit animal. And this was totally on accident, but she showed up to my... I had a Halloween party that year. She showed up to my house in this, and I'm just just like yes this is amazing and i had like the fake cigarette i had the name tag that said hello my name is and then i wrote a fake name on it um yeah so probably i would probably rehash the uh marla costume for that okay i got my i came up with my my choice what is your so, choice brian based on my choose body t- wisely yeah based on my body type and what i could convincingly pull off i would probably grow a goatee and then go as Dante Hicks from uh, <laughs> from, the, from from the Clerks. Oh movies. my god! <laughs> oh my god! That is so like. And I would and I would get the I would get like a, I would go on viewsq.com and get a movie. Uh, oh, movie and just, no, oh my god! You should go as Dante from the first Clerks, and but paint yourself black and white, so you look like you're in black and white. <laughs> that Ooh, would no. That's that would really be amazing idea. if you just like rando showed up to Laura Rose's party then, like, and I'm then you could pull to like I'm not even supposed to be here. That's amazing, and I love it. Oh, my God. Well, we all picked picks from the 90s, by the way. I just thought that was very interesting. No, mine was from 2012, Brian. Yes. B- B- Tom Hardy made his fairly You recent. originally picked, <laughs> picked Rufio, and that was 93. Or 91, sorry. So uh, 90, 92, Brian. 90, you, 91, 91. Christ. No, 91. 91. You were, Hook is 92. Hook is 91. Check your math. You want to bet? I do want to bet. Brian, you were right, you were also you Mr. Incredible for Halloween. You could have just India. rehashed that. Too. I could have done Mr. Incredible. I could have done Bob Carr, Pop Bob Parr turning into Mr. Incredible. Yeah. And I actually I've done that and it was oh, successful. Oh shit! It is 1991. I'm always <laughs> good with years. <laughs> <laughs> Pay up. Because also, like I I did a Merida from Brave a couple years ago too that my mom and oh, I nice. made, and my hair was red at the time, and so I I did that, and that was fun. So I have. Multiple, multiple costume choices for Laura Rose's birthday. That is... <laughs> oh, shit. You know what else? I'm sorry. I, if I had to pick a second one, I would go as Jacobin Bugatu from the first Zoolander. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would totally do Bugatu because I could pull off the character and I love the hair and the and the dog. Yes. And the assistant. I'd have to have the assistant that I could throw a latte, throw a latte in on their face. You know what makes me bloaty? <laughs> um, I get bloaty with a foamy latte. <laughs> Um, and then they have the kill the president of Malaysia and the prime minister of Malaysia. I just I, I wanted to see Sean rock that like skin tight bodysuit. The cor- like <laughs> with the little corset, like yeah. the 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 like men's corset where yeah. it's like there's there's nothing to push up there, but it like cinches. 
Oh my god. I that sounds amazing. I also just You learn martial arts! <laughs> martial <laughs> Prime Minister of Malaysia, bad! Martial arts, good. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did my pin get in the way of your gigantic ass? <laughs> <laughs> Lose five pounds immediately or get the hell out of here! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yes. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see, like, the two of you roll up to a party as fucking, like, Mugatu and, like, either Derek Zoolander or, or like, Hansel. <laughs> I think that's... Oh, my He's God. He's like, oh, my God. Wow. 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 <laughs> you pull this your, is, pull your underwear out of wow. your pants magically. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. can, can one of you please be Hansel for Halloween? <laughs> no, I would shave my head and go as Billy Zane. Oh, and like, nope, just it's Billy gonna Zane. it's gonna be a walk off. It's gonna be a walk off. Just, 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 just Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Derek. <laughs> and okay. then we have god. to have David Bowie's corpse be the referee for the walk-off, because it has to be film accurate. You just, I love No, but you don't understand it's actually David Bowie. <laughs> By the way, man, we never got a chance to talk about David Bowie, like, in depth. God damn it, like, such a gifted, like, one of those true raconteurs of people who just, like, don't give a fuck, I'm just gonna do it, and I'm gonna be great at it, no matter what. Like, musician, no problem. Actor, yeah, I can do that. I can get an Oscar nom, because I'm awesome for that. Underwater basket weaving, Amazing. Yeah, exactly. Just like such, such a. That's not true. Such a talent. That <laughs> I, I know you. we're like a year overdue on that, yeah. but like year and a half for Years, overdue. Yeah. I told you I still want to do like a Jim Henson episode where we focus on like yeah. the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. They're like, doing Labyrinth um, yeah. in theaters through uh, like a, a, a major event through. So they're doing TCM. They're doing Labyrinth. Um, I saw the Dark Crystal like a month ago, and lo- like I really like the Dark Crystal. Also, rewatching it as an adult, you're like, wow. This is much more terrifying than I remembered it being as a yeah. child. Maybe this is why I am as I am the way I am as an adult. Yeah, but I knew whatever. Kids that were but I really from like that movie. The like they, to this day, they very much like Brian's alien issue. Like they can't watch the Dark Crystal in their thirties. Yeah, and they are weak, Sean. <laughs> they are puppets. Yep. Um, sorry, I didn't. I meant to. I didn't see. Meant to see uh, TCM. I meant to say Fathom Events. Fathom but, um, Events. Yeah. I, yeah. The two of the most like opposite things. Possible. Well, no, TCM TCM works with TCM events. is owned by one of the most evil billionaires on earth, Ted Turner. They work, yeah, but they TCM also Fathom does Fathom events, events with them, and they they show like old movies. Like they're doing so. like Sunset Boulevard, kind right? Of they up, did Sunset Boulevard but... with How We Saw Casablanca in a theater. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's yeah, like they they are doing Labyrinth. Also, yeah. Netflix is supposed to be coming out with a uh, Dark Crystal series within the next oh, year course. or so as well. Which like did they I'm... commission Jim Henson to do it? Uh, Jim Henson's he's dead. fucking dead. <laughs> no, but his studio still is, is still I, yes, around. I'm fairly okay. certain Henson Studios is working. But I'm like, that's what I meant. The Jim Henson Studio. Come on, I know I he's it's, dead. I think it's his son, like Brian Henson or something. But yeah, I think yeah, I think like Henson Studios is working on it. But yeah, okay. so I'm I'm really excited for for that. Hopefully, we have a some sort of yeah. Jim Henson puppet yes. episode. To quote to quote Dennis Leary when he said, "In the words of Jim Henson." Does anybody have any aspirin? I think I've got a cold. Oh my god, that's awful. It, it, well, that blame blame Dennis Leary. Um, <laughs> no, like drinking. I love Dennis Leary because he weird, just when you're drinking, you tend straight. to get very weird cravings. So now I'm going to a tea sandwich that we've had from the 
bridal shower. God, these tea sandwiches are so good, and they have smoked salmon in them. I am which, so like, fucking jealous of those tea sandwiches. And chicken salad, and mm. egg salad, and then cucumber. Oh, god damn it. Y'all, like, I'm, I'm just like... I'm a total whore for smoked salmon, so like the fact that Brian brought these in, I'm just like, oh god, so yes. Wait, you, you just implied whore for smoked salmon. You will sleep with somebody for some good smoked salmon. Maybe. Yeah. Is this that wild caught? Is this wild caught Nova Locks or is this? Like- I was gonna say, <laughs> like, like how much you how much you got? I got some. I got like two pounds of Nova Locks. Oh god. And I got some fresh cooked bagels. So we're gonna go to town. If you I got, got capers, minutes. I will lick your asshole clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Mm. This podcast is filthy. <laughs> um, this podcast brought to you by Jose Cuervo. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. Okay. Jose Cuervo, please don't sue us. Send us tequila. So uh, we have another piece no, of... No, Jose Cuervo, please don't sue us. Don't send us tequila. Call somebody who makes good tequila and have them send it to us on your behalf. And now it's time for our halftime show. Brought to you by John Cutting and more Woo! mashups and bylines. Woo! Yes. All right, so featuring Justin Timberlake. <laughs> um, so first of all, <laughs> Super Starship Troopers is the mm. first movie mashup. Okay, I I had a comment about this one because was it yeah? So the first time I saw I <coughs> saw Starship Troopers come up on like the guide for my TV, my first like this was before I knew anything about Starship Troopers the book. I have since read Robert Heinlein's excellent book, but the first time I saw that title, I thought, oh, it's got to be like Super Troopers in space. It's not Super Troopers in space. <laughs> not, let's no. let's let's hear uh, John's brilliant byline. <laughs> Um, five Vermont state troopers, avid pranksters with a knack for screwing up, try to save their jobs and to battle with the giant alien bugs in a fight for survival. Yep. I, I, super troopers in space. Cheers to, to Gina. That's a way funnier premise, but I think the absurdity <laughs> of just like their regular Vermont state troopers and then, oh shit, alien bugs come yeah. on. Them dealing with that scenario is very Simon Pegg and like almost yeah. Edgar Wright. I think that's level. that's that's why when I clicked on it and I was you know a little younger at the time, I that's why I thought like oh I like Super Troopers, Starship Troopers. That's obviously gotta be like the obvious dumb ridiculous sequel. Yeah, I was very <laughs> wrong. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of the Super Troopers sequel, I saw it twice and I was. I don't want to say it. it's it's not fucking Shakespeare or anything, but I, you know, like <laughs> I'm sorry, you would never ever later, could use it. It was two. great. Yeah, I like it. It was great. It was a more serviceable long term sequel, like a long wait oh, sequel good. than Anchorman Two or Dumb and Dumber or, 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 or Dumb and Dumber Two. Okay, cool, good to know. Um, the next one, uh, I wish Roxy was here for this. The Spider Man. Churian candidate. So, oh my god. So <laughs> so this is when bitten by a genetically modified spider, a nerdy, shy, and awkward high school student gains spider-like abilities and is brainwashed as an unwitting assassin for an international communist conspiracy. <laughs> that movie would I'm feature in. the most amazing gymnastics. I think that's more creative than <laughs> gymnastics. Hey, guess what? Doc Ock put his fucking brain in Spider-Man and Spider-Man's brains in Doc Ock and then Doc Ock died so but Doc Ock but which is actually from the comics. Yeah, the spectacular that's the superior Spider Man. And he uses the iron spider armor. That's why he's got the tentacles. <laughs> so it's like it's still Doc Ock being Doc Ock while still being Spider Man. Because hmm. he apparently with the eight legs, he's superior in that way. 
Yeah. So, and so th- this is just one of those things where you're like, every time you go, I wish they did the story from the comics, just remember that the stories from the comics are often not good. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, next one. Oh, my God. I read this. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Children of Men in tights. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Crusading nobleman Robin of Loxley returns home to a chaotic England in which all women have become infertile due to chastity belts. <laughs> That's actually a really great byline, though. Kudos, John Cutting. I don't know you, but that's delightful. John, you pulled out all the stops. This I is great. Maybe because we're in our right second now. round of margaritas, but this, no, this these is, are fantastic. This is excellent. At the end of the movie, instead of <laughs> uh, instead of the two of them getting together, it's actually the birth of the child, and instead of call a locksmith over and over, it's call a OBGYN! <laughs> Call an OBGYN! <laughs> there aren't anymore. Everybody's been dead for a while. Yeah. Like, there hasn't been children. And Okay, the, <laughs> it gets better, guys. How Stella got her groove back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yes! Is this the one where we actually get to see the person that goes back in time actually fuck their mom? <laughs> so, Stella is a highly successful 40-something San Francisco stockbroker and is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean where she encounters a strapping young uh, Islander Winston Shakespeare. <laughs> mm. So that one's good, but we need to really twist it up. Yeah. Like, she's got to somehow, Winston Shakespeare has got to end up somehow, like, being the reason why she's not born. Like, like, <laughs> like... If it'd be fucked up if Winston Shakespeare ends up being like her father, but that would just be like crazy fucked up. But like something's gotta happen. Yeah. Maybe like her mom is like bisexual, oh, or or, so, or her dad's bisexual, and so like her dad ends up liking Winston Shakespeare or whatever. I don't know. It's, it, it, we, there's lots of mechanics we have to work out, but you, you have to add okay. the whole like time paradox into there too. Yeah. Be, Do you think good. if like when Marty was fading away, and then it, and then like instead of his dad hooking up with her, he hooked up with her. Do you think that he would fade away or just immediately become, like, deformed inbred? Um, that is literally a plot episode from Futurama. And basically, is it really? Yeah, like, <laughs> Fry goes back to the past and screws his grandma, oh, not yeah. realizing it's his grandma until after the fact. So he's his own grandfather. <laughs> good, good advice from Mr. I'm my own grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was it's actually okay a really if you don't plutonium. know. It's okay. Oh to my god, really? <laughs> yeah, you don't it's probably know. the margarita. That's how Giuliani <laughs> got away with banging his second cousin and being married to her for so long. Uh. <laughs> um, La La Land Confidential. That's not a joke. Rudy, Rudy Giuliani fucking married his second cousin, and FDR married his fifth cousin. So I mean, it I was guess- a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. Um. You're yeah. allowed to fuck your second or third cousin if polio is still yeah. a thing. It's rough out there. Um, quick little remix from our old Nerds on History fans. So Eleanor Roosevelt was actually more related to to Theodore Roosevelt than Franklin Roosevelt because Eleanor Roosevelt was uh, Theodore Roosevelt's niece. And Theodore Roosevelt walked Eleanor Roosevelt down the aisle when she married Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So, like, just the history, the destiny that's in, the in that room is pretty astounding. I really want a... Teddy Roosevelt biopic, but with Nick Offerman as Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, oh my, god. my god! That needs to be a thing. 
Oh, why? It's a biopic, but like a <laughs> Isn't that a thing? Style biopic where it's all like sarcastic and ironic yeah. and dry. Well, can somebody a, please start a Kickstarter? Give us twenty million dollars. We will make a, the shit out of that movie. There's actually well, there's someone please give us. 20 I will. Million. I can't take entire credit for that because there is a book that I've listened to on audio in my boyfriend's car. Where I think the book is called Gumption, and it's Nick Offerman reading these little mini biographies that he that he's done of like influential people throughout history that he thinks are like people who have carved their own path kind of thing and i do believe one of them was teddy roosevelt but i just with his mustache and like fucking everything he'd make a dope teddy roosevelt like him and robin williams great teddy roosevelt's (laughs) yes those are all people that carved their own path also who else carved their own path the Golden Gate Killer, who's also in the news, <laughs> but a different kind of carpet. <laughs> why, Sean? Why? Why? You wanted you... to have a drunk podcast. <laughs> you did this to me. You. Mm. It's just us drinking while reading mail. This isn't supposed to be like drunk history. <laughs> no, but we've gone on a very dark. We've taken a very dark turn. You know who through. else carved their own path? Freddy Krueger. Through Listen, teenagers' though, chests. I will say, like, <laughs> I think them catching the gold, the the Golden Gate Killer, or the Golden State Killer, was like the best catharsis for Patton Oswalt, yeah. though, too. Oh, like yeah. the fact that that's what his former wife Michelle McNamara was working on before she passed away, and like now they actually caught the guy. Like that's amazing. There and that couple is like. Between my wife and I, they're they're like our favorite couple because I love stand-up comedy more than most things, and she loves fucking true crime stories. Yeah, yeah. I think she's like addicted to it. Oh, speaking of which, she just started watching Dexter this month, and guess what? She's already through like five seasons. I'm sure Mm -hmm. she and Dexter was awesome for the first four. Well, I I haven't seen past season four, so I was like, do me a favor. Can I please be here for the season finale of season four with you? Because I want to watch your life crumble around. <laughs> yeah, because season four was intense. Like that, it's like it, it totally Lugau shifted season. everything. Oh, over. I I never watched it. I'm much more of a Criminal Minds kind of girl because oh, Matthew Gray Goobler can get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So as I was saying before we got in that tangent, the next one is yes. La La Land Confidential. So this is one of those more like you have to read it to see it. Because mm-hmm. like, it's like LA Confidential and La, oh, La La okay. Land. So, uh, while navigating their careers in Los Angeles, a pianist and an actress fall in love while attempting to investigate a series of murders with their own brand of justice. Mm. So there's a movie that came out in 2003 starring Harrison Ford and uh, Josh uh, Hartnett called Hollywood Homicide. Hmm. And the joke is that because they... LA cops don't make enough money. They have to work side jobs. So Harrison Ford moonlights as a as a real estate agent. And Josh Hartnett <laughs> is also an actor. So this is actually not too far from that reality. Like they're trying to solve a murder, but that they're doing he's trying to sell a house and he's re- and Josh Hartnett is <laughs> rehearsing for uh, uh, <laughs> a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> so it's amazing. Yeah. It's actually a really, I'm surprised the movie wasn't as big as it was because it's actually a really, really funny movie. Hmm, okay. And I love that Harrison Ford did a comedy and like that's the only, well, other than like um, Six Days and seven, seven Nights, like that's the only like Ugh. legit comedy that he did. So, Six Days and Seven um, Nights still resides in the, it's this special group of the worst movies 
of like the late <laughs> 90s. And the reason that I know that they're the worst movies is because do you remember when a lot of DVD players came with six terrible movies and it was always like the Lost in Space <laughs> movie, Six Days, Seven Nights, and like four other terrible forces movies. of nature uh forces there, of nature is one of them too yes. did, did either of you ever see the movie fanboys about the it's the group of friends yes. oh, yes. yeah that break into sky yeah there's there's a scene where they're in uh hutch's van and they're trying to drive towards um the towards lucasfilm or the you know the the compound the Neverland, or whatever no, Neverland and, Ranch, Jesus. and i think it's Skywalker um Ranch. i think it's uh w- the the character is windows i'm forgetting the guy's name he was the voice of hiccup in in fucking how to train your dragon josh gad no it's the 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 skinny one that oh yeah the, the black hair that's like canadian that Jay Baruchel. Yeah. There you I'd, go. I'd fuck him. Um, the, um, I would too. <laughs> no, Jay Baruchel's character, I think at one point, is talking about Harrison Ford, and he's like, he's never made a bad movie, and then they go past a billboard for six days, seven nights. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, it, yeah, it was very, that was actually a great movie. Uh, last. Uh, wait, before that, I would rather see, sorry to our feedbacker, but I would rather see either La La Land of the Dead or. La La Land Before Time. Ooh, oh, La La Land E-tree Before Time should be Ryan Gosling. Oh my God. Okay, Land Before Time. A lot of them eventually became musicals, though. So you're not that far off. So Littlefoot is trying to work his way as an actor, or or is trying to open up a jazz club in prehistoric. So the original Land Before Time is heartbreaking. Okay, yeah, it is truly heartbreaking. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. Um, last but not least, Scott Pilgrim versus the Wrestler. Oh my god, depressing. <laughs> Did Ramona Flowers have like a period where she was into like older buff dudes? That's In, like the eighth evil ex you didn't hear about. So let's read the byline. Uh, in order to win her heart, Scott Pilgrim must defeat his new girlfriend's evil ex, mm. a faded professional wrestler. Nailed you are it. totally mm, right. Mm. Ha-cha. But Jesus Christ, please, you guys have seen The Wrestler, though, right? Yes, it's depressing I, as shit. I it is not. That movie is one of those movies where I bought it and was like, I know this is amazing because it's a fucking Aronofsky movie. Yeah. And then I watched it once, and then I was like, I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, really. I've only seen it it's once. It's like when Katie bought the movie Room, and I was like, why? <laughs> we saw it already. We'll never be in the... And like I said, I said this in the Whiskey Reel podcast. I was like... It's one of those movies that you put on when you get home late at night after, like, your friend's funeral, and you're like, I want to feel just a little less shitty. <laughs> you're like, or maybe you've had, like, a really good run of, like, a few days. You're feeling really good about yourself. Things have been going really great at work or whatever. And you're like, you know what? All good things must come to an end. Let's put on The Wrestler, and let's let's yeah, let's yeah. kill this high really, really quickly. Exactly. <laughs> I need, that, that, I need it could to also cry. be a test. It could also be a test for, like, a date movie. It'll be like, all right. I don't know about this chick, but if she, if I could still close the deal after we watch The Wrestler, I'll know she's legit. But to be fair, like Darren Aronofsky, like the one word I don't think of when I think of Darren Ar- Ar- Aronofsky is cheery. Like his, no, uh-uh. no all of his movies are Darren very Aronofsky's dark and doing the Frozen sequel. Let's see how that works out. <laughs> He did. He did Black Swan, right? He did Black Swan. He did The Fountain. He did obviously Pie, Requiem for a Dream. Fun, oh my God! Like probably, I think Requiem for a Dream is without question his darkest movie. Fun story. About I, but that's one I've watched a lot because I am dead inside, and it makes me feel anything. 
<laughs> Fun story about Gina's grandparents. Um, I remember going to visit them one Sunday morning, and uh, I had seen Black Swan. My grandparents thought it was going to be a different type of movie, and I went to go see them, and they were just like, have you seen this Black Swan movie? It was not at all what we thought it was going to be. We thought it was going to be a ballet We thought it was going to be a cheery film. ballet movie, yeah. but instead, Princess Amidala finger-fucked the girl yeah. from I'm pretty, I think show. I think both of my 80-plus-year-old grandparents walked out of it, so... Yeah. <laughs> was like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I thought it was cool. Yeah, and <laughs> and my devout Catholic grandmother, God rest her soul, um, oh. once said, yeah, your papa and I watched Eyes Wide Shut the other night. <laughs> the only good scene in that movie was the orgy scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which is actually true. That movie is one big shit show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, um, I love it. My grandparents watched and enjoyed Pulp Fiction. That That's sounds, kind now of the you can see I where it from. comes Aww. from. Don't you see? Do you see where yeah. it comes? Yeah. Do you see where we come from? Yeah. They would never watch it with us, but we did watch. Oh my god! You know what we did watch? It was super uncomfortable to watch. Huh. Sean, and I, Sean may not remember this, but huh. there was a point where my mom was living with my grandparents. Uh, oh no, I remember this because divorce is difficult. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> and and um, we watched <laughs> we watched the Jeremy Irons remake of Lolita. No! On oh, oh no! With my grandparents. <gasps> oh no! Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh no! And it was more. It was more. It was a little more messed up. Although, what's uh, don't you see? Uh, what's his face? Who's the guy that played Skeletor? Frank Langella. Is he in full frontal? You see Langella's tiny no! little <laughs> when he's running around in the house being chased by uh, the other guy. But you know what's crazy is we were, I was Ooh. Dominique Swain's who played Lolita in that movie's age at the time. So I was like, and so and I was also full of fucking testosterone because I was going through puberty. I'm like, what's the big deal? I want to fuck her too. Why? Why is this such a big problem? <laughs> because Jeremy Irons was like 50 he's an adult. at the time. You are age appropriate to fuck her, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I was like, I was fourteen, and Sean was like, I think sixteen at the time, right? No, 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 no. I was like twelve, and you were like ten. No, no, no. It wasn't that far back. It was. All I, right, we were both okay, in middle school. You know what? You know. What? Okay, fine. All right. Challenge of the dates. Round two. I'm looking it up on IMDb to see the year. I just, I just remember like thinking, I really, I learned ninety-seven. So, so I would have been I was sixth 14 grade, fourteen, and you were twelve. Yeah, so I would have been in sixth grade. So we were both in middle school. I just remember, like, I learned the value of that point of crossing your legs in during certain scenes, because <laughs> uh, you know what the crossing of the legs represents. Everybody, I don't need to explain it. Yeah. So, hiding um, your boner. <laughs> um, I'm a look lady, back. so I don't need to do that, <laughs> guys. Wow. Okay, so we're already an hour and eight minutes into this podcast. I don't know if we have to really edit a damn thing. This is gold. This really. is great. This Everybody's awesome. going to love Drunk Us, Buzzed um, Us, But whatever. guys, please, if you need to pause and take a breather, do so. Take a bathroom break. Get gas if you're in the car, if you're on the road, because we're, in, we're, we're not quite done yet. We are going to head straight into the piece de resistance yes. of this episode. So. Um, El- Ellie... Yes. Oh, God bless Ellie. Ellie has been um, very uh, outspoken with her insults mm. of uh, mm. her her pseudo future father, my brother Sean. Yeah, they've um, been really good. They've been yeah. fucked up. Like at, at one point, I thought about one when I was at work and was like, "Ow." <laughs> 
I was like, I thought it was all kind of fun and games, and then one like cut me so deep that the wound opened up again. <laughs> yeah, I, I will phrase this, uh, taking a quote from another podcast I enjoy, my favorite murder. Uh, if you love Italian kiss your fingers bullshit, <laughs> you will love this. Just... Oh, so good. Yeah. I'm so ready. Absolutely. So, so if you guys all remember, Ellie and I, through some of her feedback, uh, I had discussed how, like, perhaps she was my daughter sent from the future to fuck with me. <laughs> and then we kind of got into a conversation of, like, oh, you know what we should do is we should go back and forth and write a story, totally thinking that, you know, that's never going to happen. And then... A few weeks ago, Ellie threw the fucking gauntlet through the floor, uh, and it came out the other. It came out in China and then started to orbit the Earth mm-hmm. by writing chapter one of the story, which I immediately responded with chapter two. Now, with the way we're approaching this, I've decided is very much like Flags of Our Fathers and Letters to Iwo Jima, where it's like <laughs> it's two parallel storylines. Instead of two separate movies, they'll go back and forth, seeing the different sides of the story. The initial title of this was Time Daughter, but Sean didn't like that. Sean, in the hour, no, that's what talking. I named Chapter Two. Oh, okay. Oh, chapter that's what I call her, my time, my fucking time right, but daughter, like, so I don't know, but I, like she didn't name her chapter, uh, and we don't have a name for the story yet, maybe we could get some more feedback the name and see of the story if you guys have a great name was time daughter, but okay. Alright, so uh, I, I do believe in this scenario, I will be assuming the role of Ellie. Alright, um, bring it. Mm-hmm. And scene. It all started on October 2nd, 2022. My first day on Earth, or at least my Earth. My first memories are few but vivid, and they sum up the first few years of my existence well. The very first hazy memory I have of my life was the sound of my father, who I would come to know as Sean Moriarty, complaining that people haven't made actual hoverboards yet. And if you're wondering, my first word, well, first phrase was long dong silver, much to the joy of (laughs) Sean and dismay of pretty much everyone else. The next vague memory was of a family dinner party. I don't remember most of it, but the rest of my family members. But Sean was high that night, like really high. He apparently tried to hide it, but everyone noticed. My Uncle Brian had mentioned whether or not I was going to be baptized. My ever-coherent father's response to this was to take the mug of beer he was holding, douse me with it three times, and declared, (laughs) I was baptized. Needless to say, (laughs) the party ended rather quickly after that. Knowing my father and the nerd he is, he was determined to show me as many movies as he could. The first movie I ever watched was Dumb and Dumber. However, I didn't get to see all of it because I said it was stupid and was sent to my room to think about what I said. (laughs) The next two movies he showed me were Die Hard and Kill Bill, both of which I enjoyed and learned some fun words to say. Needless to say, I got him into some trouble. Now, this last story is the last one of the most vivid memories of my early childhood. Maybe because of its sheer absurdity and the precedent for it set for annoying Brian. Come on, Brian, if I was raised by Sean, you should have expected this. You see, this was the night that I got to watch Alien. 
I was six years old and my father wanted to show it to Brian and came up with an elaborate plan to trap him. While he was staying with us, I told our target that we were going to watch Fantasia together. We went downstairs and that's when he was attacked. Sean held him to a chair while Vanessa and I tied his hands to the chair arms. You should have seen his face and his screams were hilarious. But on the bright side, we got rid of his phobia. That was the start of a long and fun tradition of messing with Brian. Good times. For example, when I started to write in kindergarten, Sean convinced me that Brian's name was spelled with an I, then proceeded to let me write all of his Christmas and birthday cards. (laughs) This may seem funny, except for maybe Brian, who's right now probably crying and suppressed childhood memories in a corner somewhere. However, these early years were the start of the downward spiral that eventually led to the discovery of the cosmic dark joke. That all sounds so painfully accurate. Right, Brian? Like, you're like, she kind of knows us too well. That's like, that's insane. And yeah, Vanessa has been joking. She is your daughter, Sean. Vanessa has been joking about like going. Going clockwork orange on me and like tying me down and old forcing my eyelids open to watch Personally, Alien. Personally, my favorite Well, I love how bit. she's paid oh. close attention to like real stories from our lives and then turned them on their side and made them something different. Like the time that I lied about going to church for Ass Wednesday and dug my <laughs> thumb into the bowl of a weed pipe and put ashes on my head is very similar to like dousing my baby daughter with beer to baptize her. That was my favorite part of the story. I was like dying in my car when I read it. It was a incredible oh my god yeah ellie you are a very gifted writer that is fantastic but not to be outdone now we go to (laughs) chapter two dad letters from iwa jima aka the time daughter the time daughter (laughs) i've always been obsessed with time travel in the late 80s i have fond memories of watching back to the future over and over while simultaneously trying to drown my brother brian in his bowl of cereal (laughs) He has the lungs of an Olympic swimmer now, so he should thank me for this training, in quotes, in his youth. I frequently fantasized about traveling through time or even just meeting a time traveler. Not to make any significant changes to history, but to experience things from history or the future that fascinated me. What would it have been like to have a three-way with JFK and Marilyn Monroe? How depraved will porn be in the year 3000? Did Hitler's tiny mustache smell like Goebbels' unkempt anus as I was always suspected? <laughs> These were the questions that stoked the fire of my fixation. A fixation that I would come to regret the minute my wretched progeny spewed herself into my life much earlier than any of us could have predicted. It was 2018, and I was moonlighting as a stand-up comic at the time. My only regular gig was at a local Planned Parenthood. This was part of their misguided laughing the person out of you campaign, which was meant to help alleviate the stress, anxiety, and emotional strife felt by those unlucky souls populating their waiting rooms. My first few sets were pretty rough. Based on the tongue-in-cheek name of this program, I figured a dead baby joke or two would be prudent. The crowd seemed pr- the, the, the crowd seemed progressive, after all. If they were okay with murder, they'd be okay with the jokes. I thought. Oh my god. Lesson learned. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was really dis- swinging for the fences with this one, guys. Full disclosure: I didn't read yours because I wanted to hear you say it live. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't read? This is your first time. This is amazing. Oh yeah, this is gonna ruin your life. Okay. Oh god, I love it so much. Keep going. Okay, lesson learned. (laughs) 
Later, I began to read the room and moved to more observational humor that would resonate with them. Do you ever notice when you tell your parents that you're pregnant and you aren't married that the guy doesn't even and the guy doesn't even really love you or live in the same state that they always have that disappointed vacant look in their eyes like you're no longer their daughter? What is that? It's like the worst thing in the world is raising a child? Motherfuckers, you had to raise me. Are you saying I'm a piece of shit? As the crowd chuckled lightly, the room As the crowd chuckled lightly, the room was swiftly bathed in blue light. The sound of a thousand shotgun blasts and goat orgasms pierced our ears as we dove onto the floor to duck and cover. The blue light that nearly blinded us was now only a burning sort of frame on the wall, pulsing like the eager gash of a soon-to-be deflowered prom queen. Oh my god. <laughs> I like to paint word pictures. That's such a solid <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We could faintly hear the sound of a screaming woman, which was not uncommon in a venue such as this, but this scream sounded jovial. Oh my god. <laughs> it seemed to get closer with each passing second, and we all looked at each other to see if anyone had any clue what the Christ was happening. One more blinding blue fash concussed the room, and we buried our heads again. An eerie silence followed as we slowly raised our eyes to see if we were still in one piece. Everyone was looking at me with horrified expressions. What? I exclaimed. One of the young patients raised her finger and seemed to point through me. I turned around and there stood a, dis a disheveled teenager covered in what looked like blue Nickelodeon gack. <laughs> she was wearing jeans, purple Chuck Taylors, and a Metallica concert tee. I'm a big Metallica fan and had never seen the shirt before, so I looked a bit closer. It said, Farewell to Lars Tour 2030. <laughs> I shifted my eyes to the teenager's face, and she looked unimpressed. Of course you'd be checking out my fucking tits. God, I hate you. That's what she says. I wasn't looking at your tits, Dingleberry. I was looking at your douchey hipster shirt. Where'd you get that? Etsy for cutters? Want to experience the future you'll never see because you plan on ending it all in the bathroom at homecoming? That'll show them, won't it? I replied. You bought me this shirt when you took me to my first concert. I still can't hear out of my left ear, asshole. You should give an eight-year-old some earplugs when you drag them to a heavy metal show, fuckstick. <laughs> I froze. All of my previous research into the world of time travel flashed through my head. Blue light? Goo? A foul-mouthed bitch who looked alarmingly like my wife? Are you? Yes, dick breath. I'm your daughter. <laughs> oh... So good. Oh my. I feel like I deserve a goddamn too. Pulitzer Prize. God, I want, Just for I want more of this Pulsating so like the eager gash of a soon-to-be deflowered prom queen. <laughs> oh. Because even though it's super fucked up, it's also a really good metaphor. Um, dude, and also, I love the joke about Lars Ulrich being, leaving the band. I just, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 like he's I think dead. I, I, oh. I read this in advance, and I think I told you my favorite part of your half was the farewell to Lars t-shirt. <laughs> that is, dude. Oh, it's not only, first off, dude, not only did you, like, show off your amazing writing skills. Yeah, which, that was wonderful. Because Sean is an amazingly eloquent and beautiful writer, and he doesn't show that skill off enough on to be totally honest. Um, I mean, he does now in his marketing skills, but like as a creative writer, sort of, yeah, I he's do always been one sentence at a time to promote a yeah. business on social media. I mean, no, this I was knew, amazing. I want so much. So more Sean, of I challenge you to find this somewhere in the recesses of your, of the internet or your computer. But in eighth grade, Sean wrote a wonderful script in the style of, of Quentin Tarantino. Oh mind my you, God. Maya swearing. Cause mind you, this is for a Catholic school. Uh, of course it was. <laughs> he did his own 
dramatic representation of the meeting between Ulysses S. Grant no, and Robert E. Lee no, for the, no, no. Yeah, so, no, for the, for so the surrender friend, of the Confederacy. I want yeah, this. Yeah, so my, friend, my best friend Andrew Carroll and I did like uh, a skit about the Civil War, and the first half was like something we wrote about it, and then the second half was that they met in a diner <laughs> to discuss, and then we just threw in a bunch of lines from the part where he's like, you want some bacon? He's like, no, man, I don't eat pork. And my teacher in the back just starts, sh- we could see him, he just starts shaking his head. And he's like, <laughs> why have you two seen this movie? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Komar. Um, which oh, I just... No, it was Mr. Brocco. It was Mr. Brocco. So okay, good. but nevertheless, like... Mr. Brocco. The, the genius of it is, like, Sean knew how to, like, sketch, imitate a movie at age 13. That's amazing. And, like, no, capture that. the essence without actually making it, like, R-rated. That's so good. I also tried to write, uh, I wrote, I, I watched uh, The Fourth Room from Four Rooms and kept pausing it and typed up the entire script of it and removed all the profanity and then tried to give it to the other Mr. Bracco. We actually, from Catholic school to Catholic school, we had teachers that were brothers. So <laughs> the other Mr. Bracco was like, dude. Okay, lesson number one about licensing and copyright. <laughs> like, you can't... <laughs> I wanted to do it for the 10-minute play festival, and he's like, we can't do this. It's from a movie. We won't get rights. It's... No. And I was crestfallen. Yeah. Oh, again, and he also uses words like crestfallen. That's amazing. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> I want, I want should know so that fucking much word. more of this Time Daughter story, because the way that you and Ellie write, I get a very so there's an author that I really like named Christopher Moore who I recently saw speak live because um, he just came out with a book called Noir, and uh, he his favorite my my favorite book of his is called Lamb the Gospel According to Biff Christ Childhood Pal. And it is, like, the most ridiculous, most amazing book. And as a Catholic, I found it so much more (laughs) hilarious than I feel like someone who's not Catholic or Christian would find it because I picked up on things. And the way that you and Ellie write, especially together, and, like, the terms that you use for particular insults give me a very Christopher Moore vibe. And I want so much more of it. (laughs) It's coming, I'm hoping, because I loved how she started it out by just kind of setting the stage of the story perfectly. And then I was like, okay, where do I start? I should yeah. start from when she shows up in the past, because that makes I the most love sense. it. Ellie, please, please, God, give us more. Indeed. As, as, as I'm going to I'm going to assume some sort of title of like that friend that your parents have that you call auntie but isn't actually auntie. I'm going to assume that role right now and just say your fake auntie is so proud of you and I love it. <laughs> it's great. And by the way, in the first chapter of this epic sci-fi story, uh, she did give us a brief message and I wanted to include that. Ah, uh, yes. Please do, Brian. So it says, uh, first off, I loved her subject. Let's do this. Yes. Um, <laughs> She's uh, unafraid. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she says, uh, hey, everyone, I'm sorry I haven't sent any feedback in a while, but high school is way harder than I gave it credit for. But finally, I saw the first chapter. I have the first chapter of my alternate future biography. Enjoy, nerds. You can too, Sean slash dad. Also, F you. <laughs> Also, F you, I'm plenty clever. Clever enough to keep coming up with new ways to insult you, at least. Speaking of which... Oh, great. More of ruining my life. Let's keep going. (laughs) There you have it, the first little bit of my story. But now it's your turn to write, Dad. Beat that warthog... Beat that, you warthog face buffoon. Love you all, even you, Sean. Ellie. 
Speaking of you, though, I wanted, I, 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 waited, <laughs> I waited a couple of months now to insult you again. Are you ready for this? She even goes back to previous ones and then improves on them in a way more fucked up way. Just kidding. I don't care. Uh, we're starting with some throwbacks for the first time I insulted you. You are not an anthropomorphic beef casserole. You are I'm not? an anthropomorphic crap sandwich with onions and anchovies. <laughs> Uh, aged in a dumpster for four weeks and then marinated in a New York City puddle. Oh, God. Your soul is not just a tar pit. It is a tar pit in the deepest depths of hell with damned souls stuck in it, screaming for mercy. And you know, I overestimated you. I thought that your intelligence level was that of a concussed sheep. In fact, your intelligence level more closely resembles that of a concussed lemming plunging down a cliff only to be swooped up by an owl, eaten, compressed into a pellet, barfed out, and then left to rot in the snow. <laughs> oh my god. Your droopy dog face looks like a bear ate a chipmunk. <laughs> That is the one that stings. Okay. <laughs> like a bear ate a chipmunk, threw it up, ate it again, shat that out, then tried to recreate what looked what it looked like using noodles on a piece of construction. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say, like, this is just further evidence as to why I feel like Bri- like Ellie is Sean's daughter from the future. Because I know one of Brian's favorite movies is Hook, and these all sound like very hook level insults. Like I'm just waiting for her to pull out like lewd crude prude bag of pre chewed food dude. Like Yeah. Uh oh my god. Substitute so, math teacher. Uh, I'm, you can tell I'm Near literally said I got crying. A I'm literally crying. So uh, you're so stupid, you probably don't know the difference between there, there, and there. Uh, That's you, fucked up, because I know the difference, and I chide people that don't. You probably think you can divide zero by zero. Ask Siri, dumbass. Uh, you make me want to kick a kitten, which reminds me of something you said while you were high as the as uh, the freaking Eiffel Tower on this episode brought to you by Willie's Reserve. I love kitten tags? Seriously? Yeah, I remember those things. Now, I wish, for the good of humanity, that you will close your mouth. It would solve the worldwide issue of people's brain cells committing suicide. (laughs) (laughs) And for a man who doesn't farm, you have a lot of bullshit on your hands. Oh, my God. (laughs) And in your head. And, you know, surrounding your life like an aura. I bet. You think that the word polygon means that your parent is missing. Wait, what was that? I bet that you think the word polygon means that your parent is oh missing. Oh my god. <laughs> honestly, She's good. She is way too witty for her age. Ellie, dear god, I, you're amazing. Honestly, I'm just wondering, were you born this moronic or did you like try really really hard to erase anything remotely intelligent from your head? <laughs> I'm curious. In fact, you're so stupid that you're the only person in the world to have a negative IQ. My own crap means more to me than you. Fluorine, uranium, carbon, potassium, you, you arsenic sulfide. Look up the periodic table, abbreviations, plebeian, a pea brain. <laughs> Your humor is worse than a bad pun, and you deserve to be skipped over more than Sarah. So in conclusion... Wow. I know. <laughs> So, in conclusion, you are moronic, you are a stupid, moronic, artless, blubbering, walnut-brained, droning, goatish, sofers-smelling, 
uh, uh, rotted, cannibalistic, flatulent, well, you. I take really, I take a lot of offense to that because I am not artless. Uh, I fear there is no worse. Everything else is accurate, but I am not artless. (laughs) It gets better. I fear there is no worse insult than referring to someone as a Sean Moriarty. You're welcome. Yep. Um, That's another slow clap. Well, I'm going to continue to drink now. Uh, That is without question. Ellie, you pulled out all the stops on that. You're that, amazing. That's like an Aaron Sorkin level monologue of insult right there. That was solid. Yeah, but like but let's see. Is is she like Aaron Sorkin? Can she top it with the next one? She might oh my God. her ceiling. What would that be wouldn't that be the fucking twist to end all twists? This is actually not a fifteen year old girl named Ellie. This is Aaron Sorkin masquerading Aaron as a fifteen year old girl named Ellie. I gotta stay relevant. <laughs> because Ellen because Sor- Aaron Sorkin would never listen to this kind of podcast. Um, well, we'll see if in the next one, if in the next chapter there's a scene where we're standing next to each other and walking in a circle through like the Pentagon or something <laughs> for like an hour straight. To be fair, I oh. saw I saw Molly's game and there was and he not only wrote that shit, he directed it. Mm. It was his directorial debut. There was only one walking hallway scene and it was oh. it was super brief. It was like thirty seconds in the entire movie. Ellie, we want more. I figure that most people are in like finals uh cloud right now. So once you're done with that, please put those creative writing skills Further to the test, we know summer's coming up. Hopefully, you'll have time to write more because that was amazing. That was fan fucking. I, I actually, God, I want it. I'm actually going to even say this: if there is another fan out there who wants to write themselves into this as another, like a, another chapter, so we could rotate through three, go right ahead. Oh, if you yes. can get it in before Ellie can get her next one in. Uh, John are, Cutting, if you yeah. can throw in a bad, if you can write a chapter and throw in a bad, a couple of bad movie mashups while you're at it, Gauntlet Throne, just saying. John Cutting, Laura Rose, uh, Tom. Well, we should give them some kind of parameters. What should the third character be? Some kind of like me. Write it, write it, write it from my perspective. Brian. Write it as Brian. Write it Brian. as Brian. I know. Uh, I think at one point Ellie also said that uh, I think it was me and Dave that put together the time machine. And no, it was some, I know I was one of the ones who put together the time machine. Maybe it was me and Eric. And then I know that there were like future bounty hunter versions of, of Sarah, Sarah and Roxy. Roxy. Yeah. There was a sentient closet with Dave's voice. <laughs> um, if you want, if someone wants to write the rest of us into this somehow, that's dope. But oh, like, you'll El- be in there. I'm sure Ellie's yeah. planning on. Actually, oh. you know what? Fuck you. Don't write anything else. This is too perfect. It's just me, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellie, I oh god, Ellie, I still. And the great part is, is that she said it at the end of her first chapter, which is really going to tie this whole thing together. Is the cosmic dark yeah. joke. Now, you guys remember if Brian, you want to elaborate on her previous email to give people some mm-hmm. context of how. She's coming back in time because the cosmic dark joke like ruined humanity. Yeah, yeah the cosmic she has dark joke me. was essentially the, the cosmic dark joke was essentially the comedic version of Judgment Day, yeah. where like it somehow like the put final a rip- trumpet was blown. Yeah, like. it's a mix of Judgment Day and I want to say Avengers Infinity War. Like I'm going around picking up pieces of of humor, making into a joke oh, gauntlet that will just fucking. I'll squeeze it and Spider-Man will die and we'll cry. <laughs> I oh. Also, I don't think we ever read it on air. Maybe you did on the Oscar episode, but I know that Ellie's 
uh, email prior to giving us the first chapter, there was a line in it where she just said, look, I can't say a ton right now, but just know that I'm writing this. And the last line of it was... uh, uh, something about like um, sleep well, Dad. Dream of happiness while you can, and it was like <laughs> yep. the most amazing, foreboding, wonderful thing that she could have let off. With. And I love that he, she was actually like trying to frame it the same way that Wesley does after he's like beat Fezzik the giant. Yeah, because he says sleep well, dream of large women. Yeah, and so it was like I like I love the whole like sleep well, dream of happiness while you while can, you can. <laughs> like brilliant. Yeah. Um, I would love to see contributions from our listeners like Tom, like John Cutting, like Laura Rose, maybe even like Dr. Andy. <laughs> um, Dr. Andy, perhaps there is some alternate future where you and Roxy are still at prom too. It'll be amazing. <laughs> um, oh my God. We start a multiverse. We get kicked into a multiverse. That's you hilarious. And, you and Brian still work at Chili's. <laughs> There's a multi. Uh, we made a joke today at the bridal shower. There's a multiverse where uh, I I actually killed Sean. Oh as dear a, God! As a kid, and I was institutionalized, and I've come out of the institution since then, and I'm still trying to adjust. So I would watch that show. <laughs> um, oh, that's amazing! So they went Michael Myers with me, but instead of escaping, I was released. Um, sure you are. So uh, anyway, um, guys, this whole episode was delivered to you. And based on, empowered by, if you will, by the feedback of our amazing listeners. From contributions from viewers like you. Exactly. So you know what you guys can do? If you guys want to be part of this amazingness, what you can do is you can go to Nerdonomy.com and you can click on that Talk to Us button, which will send us an email to all of our special Nerdonomy.com inboxes. While you're at Nerdonomy.com, you can do a couple things. You can either donate if you'd like, or you can buy a t-shirt. All those money goes to promoting the podcast and keeping them going. By the way, if you also like what we what you hear, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. But the most important thing you can do is you can spread the word of nerd like a bird turd, okay? <laughs> Retweet, share, don't just like, don't just comment, that's great. Share that motherfucker, all right? With your friends and family, clergymen, maybe not so much clergymen. Um, (laughs) It depends on really the denomination, really. There's all Uh, sorts of other platforms too, okay? Do a Nerdonomy-themed sex scene with your fucking partner (laughs) and load it up on Pornhub community. Yeah, I would say share with like your universalist Unitarian uh, (laughs) uh, clergyman. (laughs) Your romantic partner. Your romantic partner, exactly. Friends. Make your friends on the inevitable summer road trip you're going on. Listen to it for four hours. You know, good stuff. Uh, indeed. Um, good times. Good times. Indeed. And we, again, we we also still accept legit letters. Uh, I have a confession to make. Uh, I didn't check the mailbox for a couple months, and uh, Jill, one of our dear friends, wrote us a Christmas card. Oh. A handwritten Christmas <gasps> card. It. And, you know, she wrote this very heartfelt letter that was like, not only did she fill up the card, but she actually like attached like a two-sided letter that was, Aww. she has beautiful cursive, by the way. Aww. Um, where she was talking about how in like, she wasn't feeling very, like, it's hard for her to feel Christmassy now these day, nowadays. Mm. But that nevertheless, but, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really like consolidating it. She just has to listen to you because you're yeah. like Christmas 24-7. But like she, um... 
was basically saying she was having a hard time with that, but nevertheless, like she thinks of us during the holidays, mm. and I think she loves our episodes, and that kind of helps get her back in the spirit. So that's very sweet, um, y'all. I love snail mail. Like, if you send something, please, please, please email us and let us know. I love handwritten letters. Like, it's, you know, I, I have so many. So give them your personal address, Gina. Like, I'm not going to do that on air, Sean. <laughs> but our P.O. box There's is posted. There's a P.O. box for that. It is posted on neuronomy.com. And uh, you can view it there and send it to us. And we will check. But we only ask one thing. And she, by the way, apologized for not... For not letting us know that it was in the mail. (laughs) Um, But we do just ask that if you do mail us something, hit us up over the social media to let us know that it's coming so we can check our mailbox. Um, it's also one of the reasons back like pen pal style. (laughs) Yeah. It's also one of the things that like helps us know if it's worth it for us to keep the mailbox going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, all good things. Uh, so yeah. So, (laughs) um, I've got the joke gauntlet. We got to get oh my this done. Sean <laughs> has a toy and I was what that gauntlet. sound was. And then oh, I yeah, look that's right. But look, it's so this, small. Like... It looks like my hand barely fits in <laughs> Also, I saw... It your... is meant for a child. I saw your picture of, like, some dude at the theater you went to that, like, 3D printed stuff. He 3D printed the Tesseract, and he 3D printed the Power Stone. <laughs> I was... From... I was, I was so close to closing this motherfucker. Sorry. And then we got no, derailed. No, fuck you, Brian. We're not Sorry. closing this. This is going on for another 30 minutes. All right. <laughs> okay. Now I'd like oh, to shit. talk. <laughs> that guy was also about real Trump. attractive, too. I was just like, man, who's this hot guy Sean knows that is like 3D printing nerd shit? I want to know this person. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Sorry. It's he fine. dressed up for the occasion, too. He was wearing a tie and a vest. I saw. I saw the picture, Sean. <laughs> And I told him to smile, and he made the most awkward face imaginable, and I was like, that's a smile to me, man. I like mm. it. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah, uh, yes. All right, Brian, close this shit All out right. already. What are you waiting Sorry. for? <laughs> oh, oh, oh so, wow. Thanks, Sean. Sorry. Um, my bad. No, it's fine. No, guys, it is that time, because we're having way too much fun. Um, but we do have live. So uh, until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time. Same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Damn you, time daughter! <laughs> Later. And roll credits. Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Uh, 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 first to the egg! <laughs> oh, God. No, 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 no. That's just gross. No. My sperm are fast. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, they are. Uh. Three of them go to the egg. One just fucking opens up a fucking time portal and then, and then impregnates somebody in the year 2050. <laughs> Shit. Uh. Ooh.